Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. If I haven't personally met you already, as was shared, I'm Charles McKnight. I'm actually a former church planter, and I'm now the new coordinator for the PCA's African American Ministries. And it's so good to be here with y'all this morning. Before we dive into our sermon passage, I do just want to share a little bit about our ministry with AAM. Out of over 5,200 pastors in the PCA, only 67 of them are African-American, which is a little more than 1%, which of course isn't a lot. And this percentage is seen not only in our pulpits, but it's also reflected in many of our church pews across the PCA. So our mission at AAM is to help the denomination better reflect the demographics of our country by helping more African-Americans find and make a home for themselves here in the PCA. And we do this through a variety of ministry initiatives. I won't list them all this morning, but some of them include our new Center for African-American Church Planting, We also host virtual group cohorts that serve as a place of support for African-American leaders and future leaders in the denomination. We also host an annual national conference that's actually coming up called LDR. And LDR is where we bring African-Americans across the PCA together for a time of worship training and encouragement. We also host a podcast called Between the Pew, which I encourage you all to check out. And Between the Pew is where we share uh, stories and highlights of the journeys of African-American leaders in the PCA. And in addition to all this, we work with churches to help place qualified African-Americans in open ministry positions. We at AAM are so grateful for the ways that the Lord has been blessing our work and are especially grateful for churches like Christ Central who have been great prayer and financial partners. And I would love to recruit you as well individually to pray about being part of our support team. So if you have any interest at all in partnership with us, I have a sign-up form in the connection tent um, out in the back, as well as some information cards out there with more information. Thank you for allowing me that brief commercial break. And with that, I invite you to look with me now at our sermon passage this morning, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And if you're able, I invite you to please stand for the reading of God's word. Mark says, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, but Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And the disciples woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus then said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still 
no faith. And the disciples were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may have a seat. And as you take your seat, I invite you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would use your word this morning to bless us. Transform us, Holy Spirit, by this word. This morning we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're winding it back to the beginning of our passage. It had been a long day, a really long day. And this miracle working man named Jesus has spent all day busy doing all kinds of ministry work, teaching and healing people and caring for people, caring for a whole lot of hurting people. All day long, if you could imagine it, under the blazing hot sun of the day, Jesus was on his ministry grind. And at the end of that long work day, guess what? Just like you and I would have been, Jesus in his humanity was tired, real tired. But there would be no rest for the weary quite yet because it was time for Jesus and his crew, him and his closest disciples, it was time for them to begin making their way to the next stop on this Jesus ministry tour. So as the sun begins to set, Jesus and his disciples all pile into a small boat and they begin setting sail across the sea of Galilee. And I imagine that like Jesus, the disciples that evening were tired probably themselves. Remember, they'd been out there all day helping Jesus minister too. But I also imagine they were still energized energized by all the miraculous things they had seen and heard and experienced serving side by side with Jesus that day. So like ESPN Sports Center, I imagine the disciples all sitting together replaying all the highlights of their day with Jesus. But again, Jesus himself was tired. He was sleepy. So I imagine Jesus making his way through his chatty disciples to try to find a place to rest. And so finding an empty spot way back in the back of the boat, Jesus lays down, as my grandmama would say, to rest his eyes for a little while. And so as that little boat drifts off into the sunset that evening, Jesus himself drifts off to sleep. And everything in this scene seemed all good up until it wasn't. Understand that not too long after Jesus dozes off to sleep, that beautiful sunset sky transforms itself into a violent storm, wrecking that little boat and flooding it. Flooding it not only with water, but flooding it with fear too. Understand everybody on that boat that evening, every last one of them, they all freak out, all of them except for who? All of them except for Jesus. What's Jesus doing in the middle of the storm? He's still in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow, sound asleep. 
And when the terrified disciples look back and they see Jesus still sleeping, they flip out on him like, Jesus, don't you see what's going on here? Don't you see we're about to drown? How in the world can you be sleeping right now? Wake up, Jesus, or do you not care? Do you not care about us? And it's at that moment that Jesus, the already proven miracle-working God-man Jesus, lifts his head up off that pillow, and I imagine him rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, Jesus stands up and stares right in the face of that storm. And with the storm's winds and rain smacking him in his face, Jesus opens his mouth and simply says, peace, peace be still. And immediately the sky's clear and the sea is as smooth as glass. And then Jesus now turning to his scared out of their mind disciples, Jesus asked them a simple question. Why are you so afraid? In other words, what in the world do y'all got to be worried about? Don't you know who I am? How long have you been with me? How many miracles did you see come from my hands just today? And are you still not convinced of my power? Are you still not convinced of my wisdom? Are you still not convinced of my love for you? Jesus asked them, have you still no faith? And of course, by now, the disciples were all messed up, right? First, they thought they were having a good day. Then they thought they were about to die. Then they witnessed one of the craziest miracles ever. Now they're getting fussed out by Jesus, right? <laughs> These poor disciples were so confused that all they could do, the scripture says, is ask themselves, who in the world is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. That, brothers and sisters, is how the gospel writer Mark describes this dramatic scene. And it's through these what we can call stormy sequence of circumstances that I believe Jesus was teaching his followers that day and teaching those of us trying to follow him today a stormy sequence of lessons. Lessons to help us to make it through and to help others to make it through the storms of this life. You know, if you've walked with Jesus for any significant amount of time, I'm sure you've learned from experience that being a follower of Jesus that being a Christian does not mean that the storms of suffering are going to stop coming in your life. Amen? Amen? I know we know that. But oh, how easy it is for us brothers and sisters to act sometimes like we forgot. Just like the disciples on the boat that evening when storms blow into our life, we freak out too, don't we, sometimes? We act shocked. We get scared. We get angry like, what in the world did I do to deserve this? And Jesus, where are you in it? And that's when we can begin to doubt, right? To doubt Jesus' power. To doubt Jesus' love. To doubt Jesus' good plans and purposes in our life. And so I believe in a real way that it was a lesson of grace to Jesus' disciples that day to use this stormy situation 
as an opportunity for them to marinate in the truth that storms in this life are going to come their way. Understand, Jesus was already thinking ahead and he knew that what would most often tempt us to walk away from him and to walk away from his callings on our life would be the storms of this life. All the storms of suffering that we experience, whether it's physically or mentally or emotionally or relationally or financially or spiritually, Jesus knew, brothers and sisters, that all those stormy circumstances that you're going through or will go through in this life, that they would be one of the greatest things the devil would use to tempt you to doubt or to depart from a faithful Christian life. And so again, it was Jesus' grace to his disciples that day to stamp on their minds in the most dramatic way the reality that in this world, you will have troubles. That being on Team Jesus, that following our team captain where he's leading, not only does not mean storms won't come, but get this, it actually means that you'll often encounter even more storms in your life, not less. Understand the only reason the disciples were even on the boat that day was because they were following Jesus on the mission that he had invited them onto. Think about it. If the disciples would have just stayed at the house that day, if they would have just stayed home, they could have avoided being in that terrifying, stormy situation, but they didn't choose to stay home that day. That day, they committed to follow Jesus where he was leading, having no clue that they'd be following him into a storm. Now, I don't know most of you, but I imagine that some of you are either in some storms yourself right now or walking with someone else through a storm. For some, it may feel like the clouds have all of a sudden moved in and the winds have picked up and the little boat of your life or the life of someone close to you feels like it's being wrecked. And some of us, I'm talking about myself here too, some of us may have wrongly interpreted the presence of some storms in our life as a sign that either we've taken a wrong turn and somewhere along the way lost Jesus, or even worse, that Jesus has taken a wrong turn and dragged us down the wrong path with him. I'm sure at least a few of us know that feeling. But the grace of God to you this morning, brothers and sisters, is the powerful voice, the sweet voice of Jesus reminding you through this text this morning that many of those storms in your life, that many of those stresses and struggles and pains and problems that you're dealing with are actually signs that you actually are following Jesus and following him not on the wrong path, but following him on the right path, on the righteous path, on the righteous path of love, on the righteous path of holiness, on the righteous path of justice in a crooked and broken world. So again, brothers and sisters, following Jesus often means more storms, not less, especially if you're loving other folk enough to enter into their stormy situations too. And this actually leads to yet another lesson that I believe Jesus has for us through this storm. 
And that is that when storms come, sometimes they're going to hang around longer than we'd like. Understand that when that first drop of rain fell on the heads of Jesus' disciples that day, Jesus could have simply said, rain, rain, go away. Come again another day, right? And that rain would have had to immediately leave. Remember, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the possessor of divine DNA that we're talking about here. So with just the tone of his voice, with just the rhythm of his speech, with just the cadence of his words, Jesus could have stopped those winds. He could have evaporated those rains. He could have checked that storm right on sight, but he didn't. Instead, Jesus decided on purpose to let that storm rage in their life for a little while. And that should lead us brothers and sisters to wonder why. Why in the world would Jesus allow storms to linger in our life? Well, I've come to believe that at least one reason Jesus held off dealing with that storm was again to teach them and us another lesson. The lesson that just because a storm in your life seems to hang around for a while, that it doesn't mean that Jesus has forgotten about you. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't still love you. But what it does mean is that for all kinds of loving reasons, sometimes mysterious reasons, but all the time good and perfect reasons, Jesus sometimes decides to let the rain fall, to let the winds blow, to let that storm rage in and around your life for a little while in order to accomplish some greater, deeper, more beautiful purpose in your life. Remember, the Bible promises us, brothers and sisters, in Romans 8, 28, that all things, including the storms of this life, ultimately work together for the good of God's people. And I'm sure some of y'all can testify to just how true that is. Amen. Some of you can look back in the rearview mirror of your life and you can see so much more clearly now the powerful ways that Jesus used storms in your life to grow you, amen? To mature you, to get you to quit trusting in yourself more than you trust in him. So again, brothers and sisters, storms will come and sometimes those storms may linger for a while for ultimately good and perfect purposes. Get this, even if those purposes are often beyond our ability to see or to grasp, especially while we're still in the middle of a storm. And brothers and sisters, our text shows us that one big good purpose that Jesus often has planned through the storms in your life is for Jesus to have a fresh opportunity to help you to better see and to better believe who he is and who he is for you. You know, it's funny how spending time with a person in a new situation or a new context can help you to notice some things about a person that you never really noticed before. I remember a long time ago, I went with a bunch of men on a church men's retreat. And I remember that first day at the retreat, a bunch of us decided to head down to the basketball courts to play a little pickup basketball. 
And I remember there was this one particular guy who came down to play with us. Now, I'd known this brother for a while. We were actually in a prayer group together. And he was a good brother, loved Jesus. But he was also the kind of brother that if you just looked at him, there was nothing about him that said basketball or player. Now, I don't mean any harm, but the brother was kind of short, didn't look like he was in the best shape, and was kind of clumsy acting, if I'm being honest. But y'all, the worst of it was what he showed up to play basketball in that day. <laughs> y'all, he showed up in some jeans and some Birkenstock sandals. Y'all know Birkenstock sandals, two little straps on top, toes all out? That's how he decided to show up to play basketball that day. Now, listen, disclaimer, I'm not hating on Birkenstock. Some of y'all may have on some this morning. All I'm saying is there's a reason there's no pro basketball players sponsored by no Birkenstock. Because <laughs> they're not made to be playing basketball in. But that's how this brother decided to show up. And to me, that was a dead giveaway. I ain't picking them on my team. No, sir, I'm trying to win. Can't be dealing with no broken toes out here. That's what I was thinking, y'all. But look, I wish I hadn't judged a book by its cover that day. Because as soon as the game got started, Birkenstock boy was killing it, y'all. Brother was out there crossing folk up, throwing no-look passes, draining that thing from deep. That brother was a baller for real, for real. It was so crazy that I had to rub my eyes and ask myself, who in the world is this? This can't be the same clumsy acting brother that I just walked down here with. But it was. You see, I had entered with this brother into a new situation, into a new context where those hidden talents and abilities could finally be rightly revealed. And so it was with Jesus that day in the storm, brothers and sisters. Jesus decided to use the new context of that storm to reveal himself, okay. to reveal his character, to reveal his power, to reveal his abilities to his disciples in a new and fresh way, a way that was so new and so fresh, the scripture says they had to rub their eyes too and ask themselves, who in the world is this? That even the wind and the sea Obey him. You see, brothers and sisters, put another way. That dark storm that day was actually the theater of the Lord. A stage he set to display himself in a way that can only be experienced in the context of a storm. And I can personally testify to you this morning that was only in the context of some storms in my own life, that it's only been through some of the mess that I've been through, that I've been able to get a deeper understanding, that I've been able to get a clearer picture, that I've been able to see Jesus in a new and fresh way in my life. And some of you know from your own testimonies, that you really didn't know Jesus was that kind of Jesus until he flexed his Jesusness all up in the middle of a storm in your life. Amen? Amen. 
Some of you didn't really know Jesus to be a healer until the storms of some health issues blew into your life and Jesus brought you through it. Amen? Some of you didn't know Jesus to be a provider until the money got funny, right? And Jesus stepped in and provided exactly what you needed to get by. Some of you didn't know Jesus to be a reconciler until he healed some broken relationships in and around your life, some broken friendships. He healed some broken marriages. He healed some broken family mess. Jesus healed, amen? Some of you didn't really know Jesus to be the great comforter he is until the storms of some loss, until the storms of some heartbreak, until the storms of some disappointment came rolling in and around your life and you know it was nothing but the pure love and comfort of Jesus that got you through it. And some of you didn't really know Jesus to be what we call a way maker until you made your way into some mess. And Jesus delivered you out of it. It was only in the context of some storms, brothers and sisters, that you were finally able to see and experience in new and fresh ways who this Jesus really is and who he really is for you. So again, remember, storms will come in this life. And those storms may linger longer than we'd like. But Jesus, oh, our Jesus is in it with us just like he was in the boat with his disciples that day, y'all. And he promises he has ultimate good purposes through it, including helping you to better know him for who he really is. And in closing, of course, our ability to trust all of that rests not simply on my opinion, or even on my own personal experience, but rather our hope in the storm, brothers and sisters, rests firmly on the historical glorious reality that Jesus himself was one day nailed to a stormy cross to absorb for us the full stormy wrath of God that we deserved only to be laid in a stormy grave for a few stormy days. But we know that the good news of the gospel is that on the third day, early one Sunday morning, Jesus rose up from that storm. Amen? Amen. And in doing so, Jesus essentially said to death, the devil, and hell itself, peace be still, just like he did on the boat that day. And when Jesus did that, when our Savior rose from the dead, he immediately put a termination date on every single storm in your life, guaranteeing that storms won't last always. Amen? That one day, one glorious day, brothers and sisters, all storms will cease forever and we shall dwell in the eternal sunshine of Jesus' glorious presence forevermore. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that because of his life and his death and his resurrection and his promise returned, we have a hope, an unshakable hope, that you have good plans and purposes through our storms. And we thank you because you guarantee, Jesus, that you will provide us all the stormy grace we need 
to endure faithfully until that day when all storms cease forever. So help us, Holy Spirit, to believe that. Help us, Holy Spirit, to lean on that and to cling to that this morning and every morning and afternoon and evening in this life. And help us, Lord, to help one another to do the same. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen.